Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you need to check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders share with me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before. If you don't have texting as part of your modern sales process, you need to. Scipio has the best automated texting platform I've ever seen. Scipio's texting platform will help you build personalized relationships at scale in an authentic way your customers will appreciate. Salespeople using Scipio, they say big things happen. They're seeing a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that leads to more conversations, which we all know leads to more sales. And while the results speak for themselves, don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio.com and use the code ROB, that's R-O-B, for a 30-day trial on the plan of your choice, courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio.com and use the code ROB to see just how good a modern messaging platform can be. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Kyle Peterson, Head of Sales for Catalyst Software. Kyle and his team are having rapid growth, bringing the most intuitive customer success platform to teams worldwide. Now, listen, Kyle's killing it right now, but he's had tremendous success over a really impressive career, leading teams at Gusto, ADP, and Ty Kreft prior to taking the helm at Catalyst. I've been following Kyle for quite some time now, and personally, I've been benefiting from his perspectives that he's been sharing around sales leadership. I'm excited to dig into a couple of them, and I'm super pumped to have him join us today and share some of the things that have been fueling the great success of his high-performing teams and what I believe is going to be a really important and timely conversation. Kyle's a fantastic sales leader leading a high-growth team through these challenging times right now, but what I really appreciate is that he's such an authentic and genuine person. I'm grateful to have him on the show. You're going to be impressed with him just like I am. And I am excited to have this conversation that I think is going to benefit every single one of us today. Kyle, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Rob, I could not be more excited to be here. Thank you for the kind words. Let's do this. Let's do it, man. I'm, thanks for joining me. I'm excited. I know I know you guys are, are having big success at Catalyst and you guys are doing really cool things. It's been hard to get you on the show because you've been so freaking busy. Uh, why don't you start by introducing us to Catalyst and what you do for your customers at a high level? Yeah, happy to. Um, all right. So at the highest level at Catalyst, we believe the power dynamic between the customer and the business provider has fundamentally shifted, right? It hasn't even shifted. It is reverse, Rob. With the proliferation yes. of subscription-based services, right? Peer review mediums like G2, Reddit, or even just social media in general, like the buyer has all of the power now. So gone are the days of long-term capital expenditures. Here, now are the days of those nimble OPEX investments. And we think they're here to stay and we think they're only going to accelerate. Mm. But here's the key thing. We think this is good because the companies that take, that take the best care and care the most about their customers are the ones that are going to thrive. Um, and here's what else we know. Think about this. It's more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to keep an existing one. For sure. We know referrals are the highest converting lead source. We know that companies with the highest net dollar retention command the highest valuation. So what does this all mean? What I'm getting at is that now more than ever, companies need to focus on their customers, creating recurring revenue by creating recurring value. And in order to accomplish this, you need visibility, you need actionable insights, and you need predictability into your customer's life cycle from onboarding and adoption to renewal and advocacy. So you can take the right steps at the moments that matter. And at Catalyst, 
We just happen to provide a tool that helps companies accomplish just that. We are a customer success platform, purpose-built for customer success professionals by customer success professionals. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's, I mean, you're right. The timing for this has never been better. Um, I mean, right now, retention and, and is the driver of valuation. Absolutely. So I appreciate you sharing that. I'll be excited to hear some of your perspective probably along those lines will lead into what we're doing here as well. But before we dive into that, one last question again, at like high level, I love talking to our, especially when I talk to a guy like you, that's, you know, 75, 80% of our, of our uh, guests on the show are active pra- practicing sales leaders. You know, we have 25% that are thought leaders on very specific topics, but most of the time I get guys like you in here that are leading teams that are having high success right now. So here's my question. How'd you get into sales? Very rarely do I find someone that said, I want to be in sales when I grow up. You know, how, you know what's your story there and how did it lead you to Catalyst? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll keep this, this part brief. Here's what I would yeah. say. I got into sales because I was willing to bet on myself. And here is what I mean by that, Rob. Love it. Prior to sales, I was in finance. Loved what I did. It was not a question of, did I like my job? Did I feel fulfilled? But what I was realizing is I was the first one in. I was the last one out. I was having all sorts of output and impact on the business. And there was not a correlation between everything I was giving and what I was receiving. And in sales, I have never seen a profession with a higher correlation between your skills and effort and the results that you get. And so Amen. <laughs> being able and being willing to bet on myself, I was like, you know what? Sales is where I need to be because I know I have the effort. I believe I can learn the skills and I want to benefit from that. And so that is how I ended up in sales. Love your story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, and that's as good a reason as, as ever. I, I really, we could have a whole show on that if we wanted to, you know, <laughs> but let's, let's get into what we're going to talk about today. I, I'm, I'm super impressed with you. I've, I've been following you for a while and, and impressed with your point of view on a lot of things. And one of the things that really like spoke to me at the end of a quarter was when you were talking about salespeople making mistakes by doing goofy things sometimes. Uh, at, at the end of a month or at the end of a quarter, just trying to get a deal done. And that's led to a lot of other points of view that I've been following and looking at. And, and one of the things that seems like a hallmark of, of yours, as, as I've gotten to be familiar with the way you do what you do, is is pretty consistent. Like you got this consistency. Let's start with just theoretically or, or, or conceptually, how important is consistency for a sales leader? I mean, where does that fit into your blueprint of like having impact with the reps that you lead? Yeah. I mean, consistency is everything for a multitude of reasons. And it's not just important. And you touched on this for the leader, but for the account executives, the SDRs, the account managers, customer success managers, consistency is important because it does go back to this concept of predictability. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Rob, but I don't like working in a system or working for or with people where I feel like I'm talking to somebody who's different every month of the year. I want to know what my expectations are. I want to know what good looks like. And that way I can build a process around it. I can be coached to it. But if it's always changing, either the expectations or the leadership style or your performance, it just creates a lot of undue anxiety and stress. And so consistency, 100% agree with you, is is really, really critical. So let's talk about, you just dropped a word even in your leadership style. I think that that's interesting that you brought that up because I want to talk about like, we're going to like, in fact, we should probably put that on the table. We're going to go there. We're, we're heading as we record this, we're getting ready to head into that final stretch run of the 2021 selling uh, year for most orgs. Right. So we're getting ready to go in there and I'm excited because we're going to talk about some things that you can uh, leverage or or have at the ready to have a really strong stretch run Um, leadership style. That's interesting that you brought that up. I I have a philosophy that I'll be interested to get your take on. There's two kinds of leaders. One is what I call thermometer leaders and thermometers just respond to the external stimulus. When it's hot, they get hot. When it's cold, they cool down. Right. Then there's thermostat where they just set the temperature. One responds to the temperature. One sets the temperature. And that's a leadership style. And I think that the thermostat one creates an expectancy with with reps where they know what's going to happen. I've seen plenty of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde sales leaders in my time, right? Where you don't know who you're going to see when you walk in the door. Any thoughts about why you mentioned leadership style as being such an important part of, of being a good leader? 
Well, yeah. So I guess not to get too um, high level, right? Because I know we want to be tactical, but I would say it's because it comes down to trust. So hmm. the most, the key element for any high performing team is the foundation of trust. And that is a whole conversation in and of itself of how do you establish, maintain, or heck, even if you lose trust, how do you rebuild it? Mm. But if you expect and you agree with me and the listeners agree that like a foundation of trust is a non-negotiable, then consistency comes in because the quickest way to lose trust is to be inconsistent with how you show up, your expectations, how you treat other individuals on the team differently. And so I am definitely to use your analogy, which I had not heard before and I like is the thermostat leader, right? Let's set the tone early and often, and let's make sure that we stay consistent to that. Now, it doesn't mean that you're rigid in your ways. It doesn't mean that you can't adjust and iterate or calibrate over time, but those should be done deliberately. Those should be done collaboratively. You shouldn't just be adjusting the temperature, you know, here and there willy nilly. I I appreciate you sharing that because as we go into the stretch run, um, the heat turns up sometimes, doesn't it? Right. Oh yeah. Uh, the heat. Yeah. You're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> For those of you that are getting the audio only, you should see his eyebrows go up and his like jaw set a little bit, you know, and we'll have a few of the video clips and I'll make sure that's one of the video clips we re-release the, the, <laughs> the pressure, the pressure sometimes has us start doing goofy things, right? You know, pressure that we get as leaders sometimes turns into pressure on reps, pressure on reps sometimes turns into pressure on customers. So let's talk about that for a second. You know, I, I, I'm thinking about one thing in particular. You had a really great post that you shared about like what real commitment is rather than like pressured commitment. Can we talk for a minute about like how you create commitment that leads to real action? And so that's going to be like what reps do for customers, but it's also what leaders do with reps, right? I mean, how do we, how do we create action that's like getting us the commitments and the outcomes that we want? Any, any thoughts on that one? Yeah. So, uh, there's a book, um, that I read and I'm, I'm looking over at my bookshelf here. Uh, forgot the author's name, but the book's name is influence. And I love this book. It's not a book that gets thrown around a lot in sales. Um, but to me, it's a, it's a foundational read when you think about human psychology and how that plays into sales and even sales leadership. And so to answer your question about commitment, right? The book talks about the fact that commitment is most powerful when it's induced by internal principles, as opposed to some sort of external pressures or, in, or, or incentives. So whether that's you as an account executive trying to get a deal across the finish line, right? Arbitrarily saying, if you sign now, I'll give you 10% off. That's an external incentive. That while may work, while it may work occasionally, isn't as powerful as the internal principles that are going to drive someone to commit to or, or not to commit to something. And the same can be true for sales leaders. So what are the reasons why your team show up? Do you have a professional development plan with every single person on your team? In that professional development plan, do you actually understand what that person is working towards in the short term and long term and why? And if you do, then what you're doing is every single thing that you ask that person to do is directly correlated to those goals. And that is where their true commitment comes from. And the reason that matters is because at the end of the quarter, when the pressure turns up, it's not asking them to do anything differently. It's asking them to refocus on their why, the agreed to actions they committed to. And it's a far healthier and quite frankly, more effective conversation. All right, I want to sit on this one for a minute. I don't I do not want to breeze past this. I think you just struck something. So, I don't think very many sales leaders do a great job of this. What you just said, okay? There's a lot of evidence I have for it. I won't waste our time on too much of the evidence other than this. Over 80% of sales reps still say that the coaching that they get or the one-on-one interactions that they get are not that helpful, okay? Over 80% of the time. And there's a lot of reasons why I think that's the case. I've also had a ton of sales leaders tell me, Rob, the idea of individualized plans for reps is a great idea, but I don't have time to do that. That's way too much work. I love the smile that you're getting right now. I can't wait for you to dive into this. I have found that very few are good at what you just said, but I think that when you do it, it's a different kind of fuel. It's like rocket fuel, man. Um, Because 
if you're going to grow, I want you to think of a rocket, that first 60 seconds when a rocket takes off from, when the space shuttle takes off from the ground, it uses more fuel in the first 60 seconds than when it's in outer space to circumnavigate the earth. So that means if you're going to grow, you got to first say, okay, I'm ready to go have that burn. I'm ready to spend that energy. And the only way you're going to do it is if you want to, not if you have to. So how do you do that? I mean, you went there fast. So I'm excited. I did not expect us to dive into this. I think this is a huge topic. I'd love to peel that back a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah, I um, I should have been clapping off. Uh, on <laughs> love what you said. I mean, so to your point, right? If, if someone does feel they don't have time, I'm not going to pretend that it's not busy being in sales, regardless of your role. And anyone, whether it's an SDR, AE, VP of sales, we're busy back to back to back. That said, what is our job as sales leaders? My job is to get the absolute best performance of my team. And the way you do that is by going into their development. So to say you don't have time, all that's saying to me is like, you just have your priorities in the wrong place. So I'd be happy to share how we do this tactically, like what foundations and what processes do we have in place? But if you're a sales leader and you feel that way, I, I would challenge you to look in the mirror and really take a second to think about what is your main responsibility. And then that might change your perspective on that. So I don't need to get your template right now, though. I may be bringing you back in a month or two while we dive into that, because I like, honestly, my, I have this, I, I love what I do. I think I have the greatest job in the world. I work with sales leaders all around the world. And so I want to talk about one thing that you said that you connect to their aspirations. I, I think that might be the most important thing you can know about someone. There's, there's this epidemic of spreadsheet leadership where they think that the data tells me everything I need to know about someone. And I'll say that data doesn't lie, but I'll also say data never tells the whole story. How do you connect to the aspiration that that's what I want to know. Can you give our listeners like one or two ways or things that help you? What's helped you be able to connect to the aspirations? And I, I'm dying to hear this because I have a, a strong point of view on this as well, but I can't wait to hear what you think about how do you actually do that? Yeah. So how do you connect to the aspirations? It's a good question. I think going back to understanding somebody's why um, is really, really important. And in my experience, you're not going to get the, it's just like sales, right? We're guilty of ourselves as sales professionals when we start to reflect and um, think about our own development. But often the first answer you get as a leader on like, hey, why do you show up every day? Why do you subject yourself to the torment of the ups and down roller coasters of sales? There has to be a reason yeah. why you do it. Eventually you peel enough layers of the onion back, you get to that. Ultimately, in my, in my experience, the way I connect to it is whenever they tell me what that why is, I, once a month, we have a one-on-one, -on -one, a weekly one-on-one. -on -one. Every month we have one focused on the PDP. And I go in there and I try to accomplish three things. We revisit their vision for the next 12 months and three years. I ask if anything has changed, if so, why? And then we revisit their agreed to actions. If somebody is hammering through their agreed to actions, that tells me that they are bought in, they're ready to go. And we just need to keep this rocket, as you use the analogy, like on course, if somebody's not doing it, then I've missed something's not right because this is what they told me they want. And they're not even taking the actions that'll directly benefit them. And so that is where I have to dive in deeper. And that's, that's kind of the thought process I have on that topic, but let's, let's jump in a little bit more here. Yeah. I like that. I, 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 I think, I think that if you can know what someone aspires to, then you have the opportunity to have the one-on-ones be forward looking instead of rear looking. Just tell me what you did, you know, how, how, right. Uh, that's, that's for me, the big uh, litmus test when I'm having those one-on-ones, what direction am I looking? And if I'm looking forward 90% of the time, and I'm only looking backward 10% of the time, then I am, I have a chance to have that one-on-one -on -one be something that's strategic for them, helpful for them, inspirational. I believe that if you know their aspiration, then you have that chance, if you handle your business right, to, to have, provide inspiration. But you can't provide inspiration if you don't know their aspiration. Is, that's my thinking. So I love that. That's a great, that's a great point. And just one last thing on this, because you said something earlier 
that I think I've heard, and I, it's been a while though, so it resonated when you said it, which is 80% of people don't feel they're getting the either the yeah. right coaching or effective coaching. Yep. That ties to the aspirations. So here's what I mean by that. Every one-on-one should have at least a framework, right? You shouldn't go in just like, hey, I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. Right. It should be guided, but that framework should be customized and calibrated over time to that person. So here's what I mean by this, Rob. If you have an account executive and in your conversation about their aspirations, as you just said, they're like, I want to be the top performing rep in this company. I want to be the person that every single AE or SDR you hire afterwards looks at as the role model for what greatness looks like at Catalyst. The conversations I'm going to have in those coaching one-on-ones is very different than the conversations I'm going to have with someone who says, you know what? I have loved my experience as an account executive. I really want to get into sales leadership. That is what's going to fill my bucket. Now my coaching is focused entirely different. It is not on objection handling. It is not on running a great demo. It is not on being strategic with internal executive alignments and deals. It is focused on how do you build trust? How do you communicate effectively? How do you build a great team? How do you drive the business? And so now you're coaching everybody, but you're doing it specific to their aspirations. And I think if everybody does that, that 80% number is going to drop pretty quickly. Yes. And it'll drop fast. Okay. And so that's why I think it's, it's an almost epidemic that, you know, I think most of the time sales leader just, just do what was done to them. That's what I think. And, um, and so they just kind of do what was done to them. And if you could be one of those people that says, nah, I'm going to connect. If my mission is to do what you said, help create the best performance possible. I, I, I like to say like, can I create life-changing years for those people when they work with me? Can I, can I do that? The only way you're going to do that is if you can connect to the individual. And, and that requires personalization, but that's no different than a rep requires personalization to connect to a customer, right? Right. It's, it's the same freaking thing. And so, so let's, let's, let's move off of this. This was a great conversation and we could sit on this, but I kind of want to get to some of the other stuff that I know uh, you're really great at that. I can't wait to have you share with our listeners. You know, there's a number of things that you can create consistency then. There's a number of things that will create this, you know, authentic commitment with customers, you know, all kinds of things from discovery all the way down to how you execute and engage, you know, anything top of mind that as you're thinking about what leads to reps, having those, those strong, uh, they, they execute well, they have success. You know, what are the things that you're really reinforcing with your reps as you get ready to be in your own Kentucky Derby and say, and down the stretch, they come right now, right? Is there like two or three things that you're really emphasizing right now that our other leaders can, can gravitate to? Yeah. First it's, it's focusing on the inputs, right? If we are always looking at the results, that's where that herky jerky emotional roller coaster comes from. So as you go down the stretch, don't worry about having a soft week. Are you doing the things that you know you need to be doing to hit your number? And you should have a customized plan to get there, right? Here's my quota. Here's my conversion rate. Here's how many ops I need to have, et cetera. The other thing is, I would say, the biggest miss, and I struggled with this for a long time, Rob, is a, a consistent sales process from a discovery standpoint. And so there's an acronym. I'm not the one who invented this. I don't know where I heard it, but it's not something you hear a lot. And it's called SPICED, S-P-I-C-E-D. And it stands for Situation, Problem, Impact, Compelling Event, and Decision Criteria. This framework to me is what the best account executives do is they are consistently making sure that on every deal they're in, they are getting the answers to each of those different themes. If you don't, then you're kind of just leaving shit to chance. Part of my French. Yeah, you're good. If, if you do, then what you are making sure is that you are focusing on the right deal. So everybody's great at what's the situation, right? This is basic discovery. Are we even at capable of supporting them. That might be done by the SDR, might be done in your demo flow. Then we get to problem. This is where most account executives focus their energy, right? What are the problems? What are the use cases? This is the trap though, is, is that a problem that is actually worth solving or is it just a little bit of an inconvenience? And what is the impact? This is the part that I think is always missed. Is it a problem that is just, again, some sort of nuisance or does this have a material impact on that person, 
their profession or the business, right? And if we do not understand what that is, then when you get down to the home stretch and you're trying to tie your value back to the problems they're solving, if you don't actually know the impact a lack of action is going to have on the business, then again, you're just going to find yourself stressing out with stalled deals and people going dark. So I am a big fan of having a consistent framework that you are always looking at in your CRM and asking yourself, do I know the situation, the problems, the impact, the compelling event and decision criteria? I really like it a lot. That's, that's, which one do you like? I like how you said that you think impact is most often missed. Why do you think it's most often missed? Happy years. Um, this is, I'll speak for myself anyways. Yeah. It's like, oh, I heard a problem, jot it down. Let me show you how we fix this problem. And then I just move on. I never stop to ask myself, so what? Who cares about this problem? Is this just your problem? Or what is it? Why does it even matter? So for me, it was happy years. And I would imagine there's at least half the listeners who probably feel the same way. Well, I know there's at least half the listeners that feel the same way. The reason that's one of the reasons I gravitated to it. I believe that too often the rep cares more about the problem than the customer does or prospect does. And if the customer doesn't care about the problem as much as the rep does, then we really got a problem. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And and so is there any way that you teach how to, how to discover impact? I, I think that's a big enough deal the, is there any like top of mind that you might share with our listeners? Hey, here's a couple of things you can do to teach your people to have impact conversations rather than problem conversations. Yeah. It's two things, two pointers. One is curious mindset. So ask yourself the question. So what you should be thinking that all the time as a sales professional. So what, who cares? Why does that matter? So if that's your mindset, that first is like one key pointer. hell, even just put a little post-it on your screen. Like, so what question mark, like just have it in front of your face, be skeptical. The next thing I would train is like to get to impact. In my opinion, you have to have the right tone. And so, Mm. right. Everyone talks about the humble disclaimer. If you were to tell me you have a problem, Rob, the first thing I'm going to do is repeat it. Make sure I didn't misunderstand what you said. Hey, Rob, I heard you say that X, Y, Z is a problem. Now enter or insert the humble disclaimer. Do you mind, I just want to dig in a little bit further here because I'm not going to presume to know your business as well as you do. Why does that problem X matter? Can you tell me more about why that is actually a critical part of your business, you know, getting resolved or is it? And just acting very inquisitive, seeking to understand. And that is typically in my way, like the least the, the path of least resistance to di- diving in deeper, as opposed to you tell me you have a problem, right? I'm not going to like, okay, so what? Right? That you're going to come across like terrible. Right. So I think it's the mindset first, and then it's the toning approach. I really appreciate you saying that because I, you know, too often, I think there's like these three P's. Uh, we have products, and then we have people, and then we have problems. And too often, you know, companies train on products and then they'll train on people. And what I mean by that is personas, right? But I don't think we do a good enough job doing what I call problem training. And it's not what the problem is. It's how it creates impact for companies and people. And if you can do that, I think that's a differentiated uh, way of selling that not enough people do. And And the reason I feel comfortable with it isn't just the companies I work with. I'm talking about the way people try and sell stuff to me, right? Uh, I, I get a lot of people trying to sell stuff to me and, and the, it's interesting to me because I always want to see, are they good at dollarizing? Are they good at creating impact conversations? And if you can create impact conversations, I think you have a better chance on creating all the things that we've talked about, urgency, commitment, you know, you know, pace, all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I like that. Um, Thank you for sharing that. Um, that was your discovery kind of framework. Um, it's also how you, is that like your key approach to creating value? Am I, am I reading that right too? Yeah, because I, you know, every business is going to have, Hey, here's our key value prop, right? You're going to have this on a training deck somewhere, some internal document of here's why we exist. Um, and heck, I just did that at the beginning of the call. Why does catalyst exist? Yeah. That's great to have. You should have that, but that may not resonate the same way with everybody. As a matter of fact, I would be willing to bet it doesn't. And so absolutely, like that's going to play into how you approach your, the way you deliver your value prop. Um, and, and one other thing, I just I want to touch on this because I think it's important. 
I have been hearing more and more, and there might be truth to this, Rob, because if you think about SaaS in particular, right, it seems like every problem has got seven different companies trying to solve. It's a very, very crowded market, regardless of what you sell, customer success, payroll, it does not matter. I hear a lot from account executives and it's fair, which is like, hey, the buyer thinks we're all the same. And so they're just going to pay, they're just going to go with the provider that has the lowest cost. Here, there's probably some truth to that, but here's what I feel puts us in a position of power. Our job as sales professionals is not just to differentiate your product, it's to differentiate yourself. And mm. if you are going to the dollarizing conversation, right, or the phrase you use, Rob, or you're getting to the impact, if you're being inquisitive, two things happen. One, you are probably doing this and then the other competitive AEs are not. Why does that matter? It matters because you are building trust with the prospect. They're saying, this is someone who's actually trying to understand my problems in my business. And by doing so, hell, they might even helped me uncover more issues I was unaware of, maybe building a case so I can champion this internally. But what you're doing is you're differentiating yourself. And if people buy based on emotion, which we know they do, and then they justify with logic, you are part of that emotion. So doing this discovery isn't just so you can arbitrarily attach value to it. It's because they're going to say, damn, Kyle really actually cares. He wants my success as much as I do. And he's showing that in the way he's approaching our conversation. So I just didn't want to leave that out because I think that's a really critical. No, let's sit on that. Like we're done. We've done pretty good. We've hit some really great things. This has been a great conversation. We have just a hair over 10 minutes left in this conversation. And I know how we're going to finish the way I finish with everyone. I think this is a good thing for us to spend a minute on. You started at the very beginning. uh, You talked about consistency builds trust with reps. Now you've just come back and you said trust again now with the customer. So you've, you've had trust come up a couple of times. It's a really interesting topic that I want to talk about because I believe that if you have to ask for trust, you're probably never going to get it. Fair to say. Absolutely. Like, like I, I don't know if you know Mark Smith. Mark Smith is uh, another great sales leader that uh, has been on our show. And one of his principles, when he has these like these three or four kind of governing principles, when he hires someone, he shares them. And one of them is, I will never ask for you to trust me. However, I will earn it every day. That's one of his deals. And I love that. That's great. How do you go about building trust? I mean, that's that's a word that everybody talks about. I believe it's the currency of relationship management professionally and personally, right? It's always being built or it's always being torn down. It's never status quo, I don't think. Um, I, I love that you've brought this up a couple of times because if it's the currency that we're going to trade on as a leader and we need to have it and we need to help our reps be able to build it, especially when the heat comes up and we want to be a thermostat leader, people have got to trust us or else we're not going to be able to do that. Any like if I if I say trust, what do you say? It's like that name kind of recognized. I say trust. What do you say? Immediately, I think of consistency. Like it's it's all coming for full circle. Consistency. Yeah. Um, trust. It, how you build it obviously changes by person and, and which level of the organization. Are we talking internal, external? I think it, there's all always nuance. But if you always say what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it. And then you go and actually do that. That is how you start to build trust. You come across as consistent. You come across as someone who can be counted on. And if you're an account executive, for example, how do you become, how do you earn, or how does the sales leader earn your trust? It's all of those things. It's recognizing you in public. It's coaching you in private. It's helping you win deals. It's actively being invested in their personal lives, not just their professional lives. Like all of these things go into, at the end of the day, do you make somebody feel like you actually give a damn about them? And assuming you do, because if you're in leadership, I would hope so, then that's how you earn trust. And I love that principle you shared, which is like, I'm not going to ask you to trust me off the bat. I won't ask that of you, but I'm going to show up every day and try to earn that trust. And my, my hope is that over time I will have done that. And then once I have, I'm never going to lose it because I'm not going to lose the consistency. I found that what you said is so spot on, Kyle. I couldn't think of a better way to, to start to wrap our conversation. If, if there's one asset we need to have as leaders, as we take them, we've gone through some challenges, 
in the last 19 months. Looks like there's more in front of us probably. Um, we need to have people say, I have trust. And, and so there's, there's a number of ways. I mean, your ethics is one, that's your character. Uh, the next one is your, your competency. Do, can they actually do the job they're coaching me on? The last one is the connection. Do I believe that this person has my best interests in mind? Uh, any thoughts on those? I mean, like, can you, can you say that again? That was, I, I have not heard it put that eloquently. Before. Three C's, you know, character, uh, competency, and connection. Your character, do I think you're a person of high cal- caliber? Uh, your, you, your competency, can you do the job that you're asking me to do and coaching me on? And the thought, the last one is connection. Do, do I trust that you have my best interests in mind? I, I found that if you have those, you got a chance to get through anything. And, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up. As, as you look at it, does, it, does that resonate? I mean, I would love any final thoughts about, because I think that if you're actively trying to do things for the purposes of building trust, with a few exceptions, that almost always backfires. But if you're authentically like working with them, things are done with you and we're, we're helping you get better at the job because we're tied to your aspirations. And over time, they see, damn, Kyle, like he's, he's got my back and he's helping me. And the things he's doing are, are definitely in my interest because he knows what I aspire to. and He's helping me get there. I think that without trust, all you get is someone that has a job. And with trust, you get that discretionary effort. And I, I would just love to get any final thoughts from you on, on trust, I guess. I, 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 it's such a fat, broad term. Everyone wants it. They even call it trusted advisor. And I think that's a term that means nothing anymore. Um, when I ask people what trust means, I get different answers from everyone. Um, any final thoughts about how do you do go about building that? And because I think we know why it matters. Any, any final thoughts about that? I'll just say one thing because I truly character, competency, connection, like that's brilliant. I wrote it, I wrote it down. That's going to stick with me. We talked <clears throat> about the character. We talked about connection. The last thing I would just say is on competency. Okay. Know what you do know and what you are good at and share that with people. But here's the thing. Know what you're not good at. Have enough self-awareness and humility to say, I don't know the answer to that. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert at that, but here's what I will do, Rob. I'm going to connect you with Susie Joe over here. Who's an expert on that particular topic. I think that's the one thing I would hit on is competency requires self-awareness. There's a lot of people out there who have a false sense of confidence. And I think the best leaders at building trust are those that actually understand where they're experts and where they're not. I, I like that a lot. Um, authenticity. You know, we're in a world where it's easy to have people be self-proclaimed. You know, I got a lot of, in sales, you see it more than ever. There's a lot of people that want to be a quote unquote thought leader or whatever that either haven't sold anything since the turn of the century, or they just want to be a leader, though they haven't really done the job. And that's why I think competency is so important because it, it can't be a theory. It's got to be I do, I'm doing this right now. Um, Kyle, you're even better than I thought it would be. Thank you. This has been fantastic. We, we got about, we got about five minutes left. What I'd like to do is kind of wrap the way we always wrap and then maybe circle back and have like any final thoughts or kind of non-negotiable or two to wrap it. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Rapid fire. Uh, Where I ask these three to everyone, it's, it's a fun way to get some insight from everyone. Uh, You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Biggest sales leadership challenge that you see right now and how do you beat it? Biggest challenge. um, I would say it's the constant adaptation that sales is going to have to do to meet the buyer where they want to be met. Um, Mm. Our job, if we agree on this, is to meet, to build our process around their journey, right? It's not to fit them into our process. If we can agree on that, then the reality of what I'm seeing is buyers are, they know more about our solution and the options available to them than they ever have before. And they know this before they ever even talk to you. So the biggest challenge for all of us in sales is how do we continue to adapt our process to account for the buyer becoming more and more educated before they even pick up the phone with you? Okay. That's a good one. Thank you. Number two, when you're building your team and you're doing that right now, you guys are growing. Uh, is there like a go-to interview question or topic that's like a key thing for you? And and when you leverage it, what are you looking for? 
Yeah, we are growing. Shameless plug. Uh, we are hiring. So if you're looking to join a great organization, uh, definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn when you hear this. But what am I looking for? I'm looking for two things. I'm looking for ownership mentality and I'm looking for growth mindset. And so I ask a very specific question in every interview. And the question is, tell me about a deal that you lost and what happened. And what I'm looking for in the answer is, did they personally own that loss or is it some other reason or responsibility as to why they lost it? So do they have that ownership mentality? And then secondly, and equally as important is, did they proactively share what they learned from that loss and what changes did they implement to try to mitigate it from happening in the future? So that those are the two things I'm looking for. And that's the question I asked to try to assess that out. Super insightful. Uh, thank you for sharing that. We've never heard that one before. That's a really great one. It's, I actually have this really cool list of these questions for building teams. That that will make the list because that's brand new. I like it. I'm going to need to get that list from you though because <laughs> I would love to get more. <laughs> okay. Last one, man. Quite often, not always, but quite often readers, uh, leaders are readers and, and we're always trying to continue to advance our career. And I don't care if it's a book you're turning or an audible you're listening to, or even more modern sometimes podcasts you're going to listen to or a blog where you're getting things in bite-sized chunks. Is there anything you'd suggest that are people that are listening to you right now? You got, like I said, like right now you got several thousand people listening to you. Is there anything that's been influential in helping your leadership career? You know, I, I knew you were going to ask me this question because uh, I listen to your show all the time and I love it. Um, Thank you. I, I'm going to change my answer last minute here based on the theme of what we just talked about. I'm going to do an audible. He's doing an audible <laughs> at the line. I like it. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> here's, here's what I would recommend based on the theme we just talked about. It is an old book called five dysfunctions of a team. Are you familiar with Patrick Lencioni? I love it. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. It talks about what are the five dysfunctions of a team absence of trust, theme of what we just talked about today, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoidance of accountability and inattention to results. This book, I think I've read it three or four times. It does such a fantastic job of walking through why those are dysfunctions and how to make sure you avoid them using a bunch of anecdotal examples. Um, I absolutely recommend that book to anybody who is in sales leadership and looking to build a highly effective team. That was beautiful. Kyle, this was so good. We're, we're out of time. Um, before we, we give you the opportunity to like tell people how they can connect with you and, and Catalyst, is there like a final thought? Is there like one or two things that you'd say, hey, you know, as a real result we talked about, is there's one or two things that you do, what would that be? Yeah, I, here's what I'll, I'll say. The, going back to why I got in sales, um, the, the, the thought I want to leave everybody with is grass isn't greener on the other side. The mm-hmm. grass is greener where you water it. Take ownership of where you are at and go get what you need. If your leader isn't working with you or coaching you in a way that you think is effective, tell them that. Tell them what better looks like. If you don't think in this remote world, you're getting the training and the exposure to your peers because you can no longer sit next to them and overhear their conversations, then block time on your calendar and go pull up Chorus or Gong and listen to all of their calls. I can give you a million of examples, but the reality is the grass will always be greener where you water it. And the best part about being in sales is you 100% control where you end up. And so that to me is a very powerful and encouraging place to be. And I challenge everyone to go, go get it. That is the killer way to end. You're gonna have a lot of people that are gonna wanna connect with you, wanna listen to you more, wanna get more of what you're saying. How do people connect with you? How do they, how do they keep a conversation going? How do they learn more about Catalyst? How, how do they do all that stuff? Yeah. Just reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's Kyle Peterson. <clears throat> Peterson spelled with an S-E-N, not S-O-N. No idea why that is, um, but it's a common mistake. But find me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect. I love having coaching conversations with those who aren't even a part of my, my current team. Um, and Rob, I just want to express my gratitude. Thanks for having me on the show. This was a pleasure and I, I look forward to maybe doing it again someday in the future. We'll do it again. He, he, he's Kyle Peterson. He's helping reps all around the world keep the grass greener right under their own feet by watering it in a way that's connected to the aspirations of the individual, creating consistency, and overall finding ways to build trust that he didn't have to ask for, but he just built. It's Kyle Peterson. And like I said, everyone, thanks for joining us, my friend, and happy selling. Hey, everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, 
I want to thank my friends at Scipio for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Texting has become more important than ever before. If you're not using texting in your sales process, you need to. I've dug into Scipio's product and I love it. Not only do they have the best tech I've ever seen, but they understand how to use texting in a way that will get you better show rates, higher win rates, and will shorten your sales cycle in a significant way. Since I started this partnership with Scipio, I've had several sales managers hit me up to tell me just how much they like the Scipio platform, as well as their insights. It's simplicity, powerful features, and the impact of texting done right creates a tool that in my mind is a no-brainer for the modern salesperson. Listen, all text messaging platforms are not created equal. And if you're looking to engage with more of your clients and get more prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, start using Scipio today. Scipio's platform is the most powerful, most personal one I've ever seen. It's just that simple. I know the team personally, and I know they'll give you an amazing experience. So take advantage of a free month with no strings attached. Compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head to Scipio.com and tell them I sent you by using the code ROB on the sign-up page. You'll be blown away at how quickly the right texting platform can change the game for the members of your team. Now, this podcast is also also brought to you by my company, the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most sales leaders and you've been left to figure out your leadership system on your own, you need to hit me up because while there's no shortcuts to success, you absolutely can get there faster if you take the most direct route. And if you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love the content in my community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. Think of it as the Home Depot for sales leaders. It's got my very best content, over 100 hours of training materials, and everything you need to build an elite sales system at Sales Leadership United. And most sales leaders have never had an executive coach in their corner. And if you haven't, now is a great time to give it a try. The world's greatest performers in every discipline invest in themselves. So do yourself a favor and save your most precious resource, your time, because small improvements create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And if you can win just a little more, just a little faster, you will create massive results. If you want to find those small advantages that create massive results, hit me up today. I work with a lot of organizations. I've seen a lot of people have transformations, and you could do the same thing whether you're a seasoned leader or a brand new one to the game. Now, back to Kyle. I'm pumped to have Kyle joining me in what I think was a killer conversation. And in the time since I recorded this and its release, Catalyst has now been recognized as one of the top 40 privately held companies in the world. And so Kyle's leading a sales team that is absolutely positively taking what the market gives and then some. And when you listen to my man Kyle, you can learn a lot about why. What a terrific conversation and emphasis on one of the most important elements of elite sales leadership, trust. Everyone talks about trust. Everyone wants to be trusted. Right? One time I was hired to a, a crowd of like 2,500 people to give a keynote speech on how to become a trusted advisor. And I actually mocked the term because everyone wants to be trusted, but trust is always in flux. Everyone has a different definition of what trust or trusted means. And what I've learned is you never have arrived. Trust is always being built or being destroyed. So there's a lot of things that go to trust, your character, your competency, your connection. But I want to add a different C. It's consistency. If you want to be a high-impact leader, there's a lot of things you need to do and do very well. But I want to share one of my favorite quotes from Mark Benioff, founder and CEO of Salesforce. Mark said, consistency is far better than, is far better than rare moments of greatness. I stumbled. Let me say it one more time. Mark Benioff said, consistency is far better than rare moments of greatness. And I love that quote. I think about it a lot. I think about it in myself. I think about it when I'm working with the, the leaders that I work with. Um, because in my experience, hallmark one of the hallmarks of every elite sales leader is consistency. Listen, I found that clarity is the accelerator of speed. And that's a big deal because if you want to accomplish massive success, then you've got to be able to create massive speed. And nothing screws up clarity faster than inconsistency. Inconsistency creates confusion, and confusion is the enemy of speed. So create consistency. Consistency in your focus points. Consistency in your behavior. Consistency in finding ways to create impact. Consistency in your presence. And consistency to, in your commitment to growth. Kyle said it really, really well. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase them. I'm going to get it a little wrong, but but if you go back and listen, you'll find it in a couple of places. Trust can only come through consistency. And if there's something a member of your team should never, ever experience inconsistency in, it's their knowledge that you are there for them and their growth. So don't ever forget Kyle's statement. The grass is greener where you water it. I love that. So make sure you're watering the grass your reps are standing in and the grass that surrounds them. If you do that, you'll have an impact in their entire career, not just the time they spend working as part of your team. So I think this was a really important conversation. Kyle dropped all kinds of insights that will help you build the consistency and the trust with the members of your team that will help you fuel the growth of your team in ways they will thank you for. Don't ever forget that great quote by Scott Adams. Losers have goals and winners have systems. Great systems will help you build consistency that scales and creates trust enterprise-wide. I don't care if you're a small, small startup you're a mid-sized uh, contender, or you're an enterprise giant, these two things will help you no matter what team you lead. So Kyle, thank you so much for joining me this week. Your success in your career and with Catalyst is well-deserved, and there's no doubt in my mind that the best is yet to come. I'm excited to watch the show that you guys put on. If you haven't connected with Kyle yet, do it. He's an awesome follow. He throws down really great points of view, but more important, he's a great guy. I found Kyle to be one of the most genuine leaders that I've ever had the pleasure of working with, and I look forward to talking with him again soon. I also want to thank Scipio. If you haven't done so already, make sure you head over to Scipio.com. Take advantage of their free 30-day trial by using the tool for yourself. Go to the sign-up link, enter the code ROB, and start communicating with your prospects the way they want to be communicated with. You'll get results faster than you may have ever thought possible. Finally, Thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. But the best compliment you can give us is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share that show with someone needs to hear it. And then be elite. Live strong. Chase your passions. And don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.